I saw him touching my notes and it made me so nervous. And then I saw him reading my notes and that made me way more nervous. He looked at my incoherent scribbles on paper. That made me really nervous. That's okay though. Let's, uh, let's pray real fast before we dive into this. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the church, Father, that you've planted here in this place, Father, that you've called each and every one of us to this place this morning to um, worship you. We exalted you this morning, Father, and we pray that you, we, you were just seated on the throne of our lives, that we don't forget where you reign over all things, all situations, all, all the terrible things going on in the news, Father. You are above all of it. You are the King of Kings, Father, and you have so many amazing things in store for us. We thank you for the peace that you give us by your Spirit. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Good morning. My name is Jordan V. I uh, do the small groups here at Radiant, and it's been a fun, fun, exciting journey for me to do so over the past few months. It's been a a lot of learning for me. Um, And I've been doing kind of this inventory thing. I some of you might notice I got my hair cut this week, and I'm really particular about a barber. And I go kind of shop around, and I go to a few different people, and I finally found a guy uh, here in Westfield, and then so I stopped by, and I got my hair cut, and it was really cheap, and I was like, you're way too cheap for, like, how good you are at cutting hair. But he was sitting there talking in the chair, and he was asking me how old I am. And I, I'm, well, I'm 28, and he says, oh, really? Okay. You got a lot of gray in your hair. Uh <laughs> And I really, now that it's cut short and I looked in the mirror, I really do have a lot of gray in my hair. And I thought, well, that's because I'm wise. And then I realized it's not because I'm wise, it's because I'm stressed all the time. Uh, I just had a baby last year, and I think I got a lot of gray hairs from that. But really, I started to take kind of inventory of my life. I'm, I'm not even 30 yet. What do I know? What have I experienced? What have I learned and I started to kind of look back. I'm sitting in this, this chair. This guy's like talking to me and I'm not even listening to him because I'm thinking about like the past five years of my life and all the ups and downs and the journey that God has taken me on. Even to arrive here today, be spearheading small groups. We're launching small groups today. We have a ton, like eight or nine small groups that are launching today. Praise God for that. People that have said, you know what? I'm committed to this process. That's amazing. But I was thinking about, all these things in small groups has been a huge impact on my life. And a lot of times I haven't even given it its proper place. I haven't even said like, wow, there are people in my life that led small groups or people in my life that led small groups alongside me that really had a long lasting impact. Uh, today is a really exciting day for me because it marks kind of an arrival a little bit. Like it's the arrival of a new season of growth for Radiant. Uh, Pastor Jerome shared a couple months ago in the three C series about uh, the divine urgencies, that there was a new and necessary season of growth for our church, that we needed to take steps together to build relationships and community. And where we arrived with that is that we were going to disciple through small groups. Discipling is something that we have to do as a church to continue to grow. Uh, And so small groups is our methodology in which we're going to do that. And so last fall, I got to share a little bit about uh, biblical community and God's calling to community. Uh, I had a really fun time learning and researching for that series. And I thought it might be good to kind of recap some of those points, because I really think that there's a framework there that we have to understand in order to understand why we're doing small groups. And so 
God called us to community. Like he's called us to be in this place together, to be in relationships together. Uh, He called his disciples to turn away from their individualistic preferences, the things that said, this is what I want, and to move towards serving the other. In Luke 9, verse 23, he says, if anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for me will save it. Last fall, I shared uh, there were four points about biblical community. Uh, The first of those points is biblical community is missional. Biblical community has a purpose. Being missional is to be expressing the nature of Jesus. It's not to sit back and do all of the right things, but it's to be like Christ incarnate on earth, to be what he showed us to be. So to be able to do that, we've got to do a few things before we can even start to express that. We've got to be able to love God, right? We've got to be thankful for what God has done for us, done uh, through others for us. We've got to love him, be unconditional and obedient in the same way that he has loved us. We have to love others sacrificially. The old command was to love your neighbor as yourself. But Christ has said that we can love others more than ourselves. That we must love as Jesus loved, considering others more than ourselves. We also have to love the word of God faithfully and radically. We have to dwell in it. We have to let it be our identity. We have to let that, what God has ascribed to us, we got to let that be who we are. We don't have to believe the lies of the world, the lies of the enemy, but what he has ascribed to us, that we are children of God, that he, is, he loves us. That's what we can live in. We must lose our lives daily if we want to be missional. My friend Doug Ergot, who has served in missions for years and years and years, he says safety is overrated. In fact, if safety was the goal, Jesus would have never come to earth. When I think about that, he knew it was going to happen. He knew that it wasn't going to be safe. But he came anyways because he loved and he knew that this is what it's going to take. This is what is needed. That was his mission. And the final piece of being missional is that we have to live life gratefully. That we have to give God our best instead of just the rest. Instead of what's left over. That God gets the first fruits because he wants us. Because the first fruits indicate where our hearts are. Pastor Jim just shared when we were uh, receiving offering, you know, God, he wants our hearts. And our money indicates our hearts. You know, he really doesn't need our money. He wants us. He wants us to pursue him. And so if we're going to be missional, we have to. We have to be able to live our lives gratefully and say, you know what, God, you've given me everything and I'm going to give my life to you. That second core piece of biblical community that I shared last fall was that a biblical community is actually led upside down. It's the reverse of, of what we see in the world. Uh, we see the bosses at the top and the workers are down at the bottom and there's this hierarchy of command. The way the command flows is from the top to the bottom. But in the kingdom, Jesus uh, 
has revealed that the kingdom of heaven is not like the kingdom of earth. The power dynamics are completely different. To sit at the hand of God and to be used by God is a life that's marked by humility and sacrifice. Matthew 20, verse 26 says, But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader must be a servant. The third piece of biblical community is that uh, when you're in biblical community, it's creating change in your life. It's not stagnant. It doesn't sit still. It doesn't just stay. It comes with a level of honesty and accountability with one another. In biblical community, you are known and you become known. It's not pretty and it's not easy and it's certainly not always fun. But it provides an ability to speak into one another's lives, to be praying over each other over the most insecure and deeply painful parts of our lives. And that community can create a level of accountability for us. We move towards uh, less of our own preference, but rather towards the good of others, the good of a group of people, the good of the other. We tend to act more humbly and sacrificially in a group like that. And that fourth piece was the biblical community happens at the table. So it doesn't just, and not just a physical table, because we have a table right here, but biblical community happens when we gather together in an intimate space, in a space where we say, you know what, I'm inviting you in. I'm inviting you in. Christ met with his disciples at a table and said, something's going to happen soon, and I want you to remember all of the things that I have shown you, all the things that I've taught you. At the table, it represents uh, the confession of our sin in a community. It represents the submission to a Savior. It's easy on a Sunday morning to come and take bread and a cup, but it's a lot harder to do it with a commitment to a group of people and say, you know what, this is our community together. This is what we do and this is what we stand for. So how do we live out these kind of pillars of biblical community in our modern context? You know, life is really busy. It gets really crazy. These sometimes don't always seem as practical or as easy to decipher. What, what, what does that mean? Those are pretty wide and abstract ideas. How do we nail that down and how do we live it out today? Pastor Jerome has shared uh, with the staff, and I think he shared a couple well, last year uh, from a book called The Four Spaces of Belonging. Um, or uh, The book is called A Search to Belong. It's The Four Spaces of Belonging uh, by the author Joseph Myers. And I think it's really important when we can kind of start to understand these ideas and this concept of these four different spaces, how we fit into each one and how we all relate to them in each other. Uh, there's f- these four spaces, the public belonging, the social belonging, the personal belonging, and an intimate belonging. And so the public space is a big, large group of people. Uh, like It's like, imagine uh, being at Lucas Oil Stadium and you're a Colts fan. Everyone there, you're like, we are Colts fans together. And you have, a, you have a unity. You have a friendship, even though you don't know your neighbor. You don't know the person that's like across the stadium, like a thousand seats down. You don't know those people, but 
you have a shared identity together. It allows us to connect via an outside source. It's not like an internal source that makes us connected. It's an external source that brings us together, that we rally around together, and it makes us feel connected. But our capacity for these kind of relationships is very high. It's very broad because there's not a lot of depth to them. It means you'll find yourself in a lot of different groupings like this. the, The bands that you're a fan of or the TV shows that you watch or the places you like to eat, those can become those big public spaces where, you know, I don't recognize that person, but we both like this place, so there's something there connecting us. Then there's this element of social belonging that exists in space like this, like in a church, or maybe your workplace, or um, maybe uh, I'm joined, I joined a, a soccer league, a church soccer league, and I'm thinking this week, that may have been a really bad idea. Uh, I might get really hurt this coming Thursday, because church leagues are, they're a little aggressive. Ask Craig Durbin about softball. This guy has seen, he's seen a lot of stuff. Church leagues can get really aggressive. I might get really hurt. But like uh, in a church league, those are social, or those are, yeah, those social spaces where, you know what, uh, we're all gathered here together and we all kind of like the same thing, um, but it's a little bit more intimate. You might see those people more frequently. You might even know their name. You might be able to Recite a few things that you know about them. In these spaces that uh, we kind of can present small portions of our lives, little snapshots, little glimmers, allowing us to create kind of uh, neighborly relationships. And it can develop in a space in which others can find people that can fit into the next category of personal belonging. Personal belonging exists among your good friends, the people that you know, that you see regularly. They are people that you can share many aspects of your life and pick up just immediately after you've been apart for a while. The capacity for these types of relationships is far less than public and moderately less than the social, but these relationships take some kind of upkeep. The spots are earned. Like, they're not just given out, but there are spots that are earned. People move from a social space into a personal space. I'm hoping that our small groups are going to be a part of spurring that on. People moving from the social space into the personal space together. And the final space is this intimate belonging space. It exists among extremely close friends or your spouse. People that you share your life with. The kind of people that you're willing to bear your soul to and not have to be ashamed about it. You can just be real about what's going on. These are the kind of people that see the whole truth. They don't see a glimmer. They don't see a snapshot. They don't see you across the stadium. They see you. You are known. You are known. Those are the kind of people that exist in that intimate belonging space. And each of these spaces is necessary and intentional for each of us. We have to have relationships in each of these places. It's healthy to have that. If you have a person that only exists in that public space but has no intimate relationships, they are isolated and alone. But if you have people that have a lot of people in that intimate space, 
they might be deceiving themselves and they might not actually have anyone knowing who they are because they're having to present because they don't have the capacity to maintain all of those relationships. These relationships can add great depth and richness to our lives. In a culture of individuality and preference, it's very easy to commit to spaces that are really wide and unobtrusive. They don't really dig in very deep. Uh, It might be a lot easier than committing ourselves to spaces that require more openness. Intimacy and openness exposes us, and it reveals our cracks, and it can get really messy. It can hurt, and it can heal. So when we get to the level of relationship that we can actually truly start to be open, community can begin to elevate and sharpen you and encourage you. So these small groups that we're kicking off today, they're set up as an environment in which public space can become personal space and belonging. And maybe even if you find people that you just really resonate with, they can become more intimate relationships. They can become your people, your tribe, your crew, your squad. We're doing a series right now with the youth called Squad. And we're talking about these kinds of relationships. Because there's, you know, I mean, many of you remember being a teenager. Sometimes it's really hard to find your people. It's really hard to find the people that you can lean on, that you can be with. And so we've been talking about that. It's been fun. It's been fun for me because I've been remembering a lot of people in my life. People that sometimes, some of them that I still have really great relationships with and others that I don't get to see as often anymore. Uh, some I never see anymore, but I'm thankful for the things that I, I learned with them and, and experienced alongside them. Uh, some of them I actually texted this week and said, wow, I just remember this thing that we did. It was super fun. I ran into a friend's parents. Uh, that I, He lives in St. Louis now, and he actually just fostered, adopted, uh, or just uh, actually adopted, not even foster children. He just adopted a, four kids from Texas, and I haven't talked to him in a year so I sent him a text and thought, I, I don't know if he'll see this. He's been so busy. He had to be in Texas for a month. His whole life was just crazy for a month. And so they got everything through. They came. They're actually going to be in town in a couple weeks. I was like, hey, man, uh, just want to let you know I'm praying for you in this time and love you so much. And I've just been thinking about you a lot. Uh, and I didn't hear back from him, but I know that uh, he appreciates me the same way and that we love each other and we're so thankful for the things that we experienced together as, as young adults, as high schoolers, as we were both going through so many changes in our lives and we're able to help sharpen each other, to, to point each other towards faith rather than fleeing from it, saying, you know what, I'm not into this church thing anymore because it's not really that cool, so I'm going to go hang out with my friends. It was, no, like, we're going to stick to this thing. Like, we're going to believe and we're going to sharpen each other. It was iron sharpening iron at that time in our lives, and it was necessary and needed. So small groups are an environment in which personal belonging and intimate belonging can be fostered. Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 2, Paul uh, says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling that you have received, with humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. I understand that many of us will be joining small groups and, and being spending time with people that uh, previously didn't fit into those spaces. For people from Radiant North and Radiant Left, that's what, we've, that's what we've nicknamed the sanctuary. So Radiant North, Radiant Left. Let's meet. Some people might be meeting and talking that have not really gotten to know each other very often. You might see each other and wave from across the sanctuary, 
Those of you who are brave enough to jump across the line, good for you. You guys are awesome. But you might be meeting people. You might be uh, introducing yourself to people like, like, you're like, you go to church here? I never knew that. That's crazy, just because you're over there. So people are going to be introduced into these new spaces of your life. And we're going to have to bear with each other in love. It's not going to be simple. It's not going to be easy. It might be a little awkward at first, but that's okay. That's okay. Because we're going to be patient. We're going to approach it with humility and gentleness because it's not about our preference when it comes to these relationships. It's not about what we want. It's about serving one another as God has called us to. I'm praying through these upcoming semesters that a few things are going to happen. uh, And I'm really, really excited. I think we're going to experience a whole new season of growth as a church because of our commitment to this. One is that discipling is going to be happening in the context of these relationships. It's so easy to get caught up in the cycle of a Sunday, Sunday to Sunday. I work here, and it still happens to me. The cycle of Sunday to Sunday. Sunday's always coming. I've worked on church production teams, and that was our saying, Sunday's always coming, because it becomes the flow. The week becomes what's going to happen on Sunday. And you forget about all of this other time and all of these other people that you can connect with. We can forget that the whole point of doing this is to disciple people, to help them see Jesus for who he was, to, for us to express the nature of Jesus to them, for them to experience the good news of the gospel. Not to hear it, but to experience it. Jesus said in Matthew 28, verse 19, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go and make disciples. I'm praying that discipling is going to be happening. This is a whole new avenue for our church to minister to people. It's not about a pastor on a stage, but it's about people going and making disciples. That is so exciting to me. It's so, I've served on a lot of different church teams in a lot of different areas, and it's so easy for us to get caught up in a job and say, this is what I do. This is my job at the church. I do kids check-in. But really, that's ministry. That can be discipling, just like all of us can be a part of that discipling process. And some of us are like, I need discipled. I need someone in my life that I can look up to. I'm there. Like, I'm there. I have a new baby at home. He's chewing on a seat right now, I think. So, uh, no, he's just playing. But I'm like, I got questions about this whole thing because this is crazy. Why would anyone do this to themselves? Don't you want to sleep again? Some of us need discipled and some of us are discipling. And some of us are in that whole process. We're doing both. It's not like you're one or the other. You need people to pour into you and you need to pour into other people. Because really the result of the seed being planted isn't uh, that, oh, there's a seed planted. It's that it bears fruit. When we bear fruit, we can share that to the next person. It doesn't have to just stop with me. Just, you know, I just, I feel really good about myself now. Someone poured into me. It's I get to pour into someone else. So I think discipling in the context of relationships is a key in this next season. 
for many of us, we're craving to be a part of something because of that, that call that God has put on our lives. In John 15, verses 12 and 13, Jesus tells his disciples that this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. This whole small groups thing isn't about us being able to say that we have this amazing small groups program or this many groups or any metric of success for us. I had some goals that I was like, it would be awesome if we had this many groups, but it wasn't about the program. Small groups cannot be about our egos or our desires to keep up with whatever trendy churches are doing. It's about being more effective in ministry. It's about doing the thing that Jesus commanded us to do, to disciple. Ephesians verse, uh, or chapter 4, verse 25 says, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one another. We come together as neighbors, as friends in this space, and we rebuke the things in our lives. We say, hey, this thing that you're struggling with, it's okay. We can get through this together. Let's turn, let's turn away from it. Point two is that our church is going to grow larger and smaller at the same time. We're experiencing some exciting church growth here at Radiant. We're experiencing some exciting new seasons. Vision 2020 has been really exciting. Some new stuff has been happening. There have been some new families in the church. Uh, we just got back from an amazing uh, men's and women's discipleship walk. The youth had their discipleship walk. There was some amazing growth there, some people that are really excited about church. They're really excited about being a part of the mission. So our church is going to grow larger, but it also simultaneously needs to maintain these smaller groups of people. The discipling process will be happening, but that can only happen in a relationship, in the context of a relationship. Our ability to minister to those in need uh, must increase as our church grows larger. As our church uh, sees growth, it's going to become even more important to remember those who are alone, those who are hurting, those who are in need, those who walk into this place and have no idea who Jesus is, have no clue and have never experienced it before. There are still going to be those people, and that's why small groups exist, is to bring them in a place that is not intimidating, that's easy and low stakes so they can share some time together and get to know, okay, I, you guys are really happy. You guys are really genuine. You really are really open about your lives, and you really want to pour into my life. Those people are going to come in this church, and they're going to say, what do you have to offer? Because they're looking for something. They're looking for something. So that's why our small groups are going to be there as a pipeline to onboard people and say, you know what? This is our discipling process. This is how people get plugged in. This is how people grow together. This is an avenue for healing. It's really easy to dismiss uh, our need to grow smaller when we're growing as a church because church growth is really, really exciting. 
it's easy to get caught up in, in all of the work that there is to do and all the fun that we're having, all of the people there are to minister to. It's all fun. It's all a joy. It's easy to get caught up in the inside jokes. Those who are on discipleship walks can attest to that. Sometimes it's like, oh, wow, we have all these jokes, and we've got to remember, you know, we've got to include people on some of this stuff. Um, but without relationships in our lives, without people in our lives to help refine us and to keep us accountable, all of the work that comes along with discipling others or being a part of ministry that's growing, being on a team, being involved in some area of the church, it can just become a job. And that can become burnout or stagnation. It can become a chore. It can be, man, I got to go to church rather than I get to go to church. I want to be a church of people that says, I get to go to church today. I want to kick down the the doors every other day of the week because I want to be there because it's so exciting what God is doing. I want to be a church that says we get to go to church that avoids that burnout. I've been, I've been in that system of burnout a lot, partially because my avoidance of people in my life that would keep me accountable in ministry. Uh, many of you know I left Radiant a few years ago and was working at another church and, and really hit the ground running really fast. It was a really high-energy environment. And it was really fun until it wasn't. And then it wasn't fun, and I felt like, oh, this is not quite right. This is not what I remember I wanted to do with my life. Jesus, I don't know that I wanted to do this. Uh, can I take it back now? The answer was no, by the way. But that's a totally different story, totally different sermon series. Probably 50 weeks at least. So, <laughs> um, But I met this guy who was a coworker. And I got, I, I think my boss kind of noticed, man, he's really seeming exhausted and tired and burnt out and like he's not having fun anymore. Uh, so we're going to move him from his current office, which was a closet. Uh, I'm not joking. It was a closet in a dark room all by myself on the other side of the building alone every day, like nine hours a day. It was awful. But I got moved into the, kind of this big bullpen area. I was like, great, this is way worse because this guy won't stop talking. Uh, that guy that wouldn't stop talking actually became one of my closest friends, which is very funny. But at first it was like one of those things. He, like, we don't have anything in common. Like, he's wearing, like, really dorky comic T-shirts, not ironically. Like, he's talking about stuff I have no clue about. He's our IT guy. Like, we don't have anything in common right now, dude. And you just keep showing me cat memes all day long. And I'm like, I'm working on a project, man. I'm, I'm doing my job. What are you doing all day? Apparently, that's what IT people do is they just. No, they have very hard work. Uh, but eventually, he actually started to kind of like chip away at this whole like burnout thing in me. I think he could see it a mile away. And he started to just kind of like be like, hey, you want to just like go on a walk for a minute? Like just like a lunch walk? Like we'll just walk and talk for a minute. Just get out of the office. And so we started to do that and we started to go to lunch together and we started just to hang out outside of work. I mean, it was starting to be fun, like to hang out with him. Uh, And we, we actually started to lead a small group together. And I remember him looking at me one day when we're on a lunch walk saying like, man, what's wrong with you? Do you not? do you not want to do ministry? Do you not 
Are you not excited about what God is doing in the lives of others and what God is doing in your life? Do you not believe it? And I remember being so confronted, so, um, I think, exposed, because he saw something in me that I wasn't willing to admit, something that I wasn't willing to be open with myself about. And he saw it so clearly and was willing to say, you know what? You bet you're better than this. God has called you to more than this. He doesn't want you burn out. He doesn't want you to do it at all if that's the way you're going to be because he doesn't need it. He wants you to be a part of it. He's invited you to be a part of it. But not like this. Not like this. He doesn't want to drag you through it. What I realized is I was doing what I preferred. My job became about me being really good at my job and trying really hard to maintain this really cool aesthetic and do all these really cool things. And all these people were like, that's really exciting. That's really cool. It became about me and not about God. What I was doing and making was not glorifying God in the least bit. So I had to shift my preference. I just say, you know what? This isn't about me or what I do or what I like or what I even need. Because what I need is God. So it's not about what I think I need. It's about what God has for me. And my friend, he saw that. And he was instrumental in helping me kind of unpack that over weeks and months of walking on lunch and having our small group and just hanging out just being, he was present. That was amazing. He was present in a way that a lot of people weren't, not because they didn't want to be, just because he was so open and so willing. When we can shift our culture away from preference and towards others with our small groups, and we make it a way that we disciple and minister to others, what we're actually doing is shifting from small groups being a ministry program to being how we do ministry together. So what does it take to shift our hearts away from our preference, what we think we need, what we think we want, towards what we've been commanded to do? It takes an understanding that commitment matters more than our compatibility. Pastor Jerome sent an article to me uh, a few, probably a few months ago now, um, that had this. It said this. And when the first time I saw it, I said, I hate that so much. I don't like that. That's, that's not what I want to believe about this thing. Uh, but the more I dwelled on it and the more I thought about it and the more I thought about the context in which it applies to my life, of course I don't like it because it's not my preference, but it's what I need. It's what God has for me because he honors our commitment to one another. If we were all just compatible together, that would be great. That'd be awesome. It'd be perfect until it's not. Until it's not perfect. Because eventually there's going to be something. I think my wife and I are perfectly compatible. We've had a great marriage for six and a half years, but there's still stuff that drives me absolutely crazy. And I'm, I'm, I would never even ask her the things that drive her crazy about me. 
because the list would never end, probably. Thank you, thank you, son. That's great. Yeah, he has to live with us, so he knows. Uh, our commitment to each other. Our commitment to what God has called us to is way more important than our compatibility. Way more important than the things that I would prefer someone to be like or to do or to say. Because God has ordained those relationships. God has put those in place because he knows. He knows my friend would see the thing that had hardened my heart. He knows the things that we need to be fed in order to grow. So he's planting people. It doesn't, it doesn't matter if you like this and I like that. At youth, we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago, and I, I mistakenly said that my friend Craig Durbin and I have nothing in common. We actually have a lot in common. But I use the example, I, I don't know the first thing about sports, and Craig is a walking encyclopedia of everything about sports. Uh, we are committed to a relationship together. We're committed to ministry together. We're committed to, to growing together. And that is a super special thing. And when we commit together, God honors that. Here are a few things that uh, have been written in Scripture about community. In Galatians 5, uh, verse 13 and 15, it says, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. Bear with one another in love. That was from Ephesians 4.2 that I read earlier. Speak and sing the words of God together. Gather together and worship him. That's in Ephesians 5.19. Colossians 3.16 says, teach and challenge one another. You can dig and dig and dig through scripture. Dig through the letters that were written to the churches. So much of it is about relationship dynamics. Be together. Learn together. And you will grow together. One of my favorite pastors and teachers, Dallas Willard, uh, writes this. He says, individual Christians still hear Jesus say, whoever hears these words of mine and does them is like those intelligent people who build their houses upon a rock, standing firm against every pressure of life. He says, how life-giving would it be if their understanding of the gospel allowed them to simply reply, I will do them. I will find out how. I will devote my life to it. This is the best strategy I've ever heard. And then they went off to their fellowship and its teachers into their daily life to learn how to live in his kingdom as Jesus indicated was best. How amazing would it be if we could just take this and it was so simple to just step and say, you know what? Yeah, Jesus, this is the game plan. It's perfect. Let's go. But when we start to allow our preference to say, well, I like that part of it. But that part is a lot harder. I don't want to hang out with a person that I don't like. I want to be with that person that I do like hanging out with. Or 
you know, that person challenges me a lot in a lot of ways. I don't want to be around them. Sometimes, sometimes that's what we need in a season. I remember when I first started working with youth, I had a student that challenged me every week. And he was like, he knew his stuff. He knew his stuff. And I was sharpened so much by his, his willingness and his ability to just say, like, I don't know about that thing that you're saying. What about this thing over here? And it's like, okay, let's dig into that together. Let's look at the context and let's see how these apply together. Let's start to do uh, some study together. And it was really cool because I think it didn't just sharpen me. It sharpened our whole group. It helped all of us in our small group setting to really start to dig into the word, to honor the word and really do right by studying it, by living in it, trying to really dig in deep. God honors our commitment to each other and our commitment to the teachings of Jesus. Small groups aren't easy. but I think they're right for us right now in this next season of growth, this season of change, this season of like, we've got new families coming in that are like, let's go, let's do something. We've got young people that are excited about church. Small groups are the right place for us to be living in those relationships together. My dream and what I think our small groups are are kind of formulating into, uh, that small groups are a place to connect that they're relationships. They're built upon relationships that we have with one another. Um, they're a place to be renewed, that we can be healed and restored. They're a place for us to grow and be equipped. They're a place for us to be empowered for servanthood. The band's going to come forward, and we're going to have a little bit of time to worship, but I just want to encourage each and every one of us to look at our lives Look at our relationships, the people around us. Look at what's happening in our church, the excitement that's happening. All of the good things that are getting ready to happen, that have happened over the past few weeks. We had an amazing service last week that celebrated 20 years of ministry here at Radiant. And that doesn't stop. It's not over at 20. Uh, I hope we have a, a lot, a lot more because I feel like the fun is just getting started. And so small groups are kind of this new season. I'm new at it. We're all kind of new at it, which is great because we're going to grow together. We can approach each other with humility and say, you know what? We're, we're going to learn how to do this together. We're going to set our preferences aside. We're going to commit to the process of being in a small group. Some will reach out and say, I just need someone to pour into me. I just need answers to some of these hard questions. Some people are going to join a small group and, and not even know that they've got something going on in their heart, that they've got a heart issue that's preventing them from whatever God is calling them to next. And that's okay too. Because in a small group, stuff will open up. People will be present. People will be praying. They'll be in tune with what God is doing in your heart and some of them will even call you out on it. But it's not it's not too hard for us. Right? Small groups aren't too hard. 
In fact, I believe that they are the next step for so many of us. So many of us to step into relationship and say, you know what? This isn't just going to be a public space anymore. This isn't just going to be a social gathering for me anymore. But it's going to be my life. I'm going to live my life in ministry. I'm going to do ministry with other people. I'm going to serve others as Christ has called me to. There's so many exciting things, so many dreams that we have uh, for what's coming next and, and all of the exciting things that are going to be happening this year. But I just want to... I just want to pray over our small groups right now and just believe that God is going to work in them in this next season. Um, it's really an exciting time for me and it's really an exciting time for the church just to know that uh, so many leaders and so many people have said, you know what, I'm going to commit to this. We're going to see what happens in this next season as God continues to move and to continues to pour into our church as it continues just to touch people's lives. God has for us. Will you just stand with me as we close in prayer and the worship team will lead us. Before I let you out, I just want to say I appreciate Jordan and the, and the word he brought. I mean, he referenced me three times, so you can speak anytime, man, uh, if you reference me. No, really, seriously, I'm going to do something that he's going to probably cringe about, but I'm going to give you permission not to join a small group. I think you should. I'm all in on small groups. I think it's going to be great. I'm leading one with the Ricketts, who I don't see here today. My wife and I, we're going to do a marriage class. Shameless plug. Um, but there are other things out there, but I want him to tell you how to get plugged in. But I'm going to give you permission and say, man, maybe you have community and relationships and this and that. We're not forcing people into a mold of a program. We're creating opportunity for community. Now, if you would say, I have a place or I I have the community that, I, that God is using to help me grow, then... We're thrilled for you, but I know for sure because we've it's been it's been stated there are those who are looking to plug in. There are those who are looking to connect, and if that's you, I'll be honest with you. If you're like me, you're like I really don't want to do this thing. I don't really want to go, but every time I go, I'm like I'm so glad. And God, absolutely. Let me ask you a question. He said something about discipleship and in, in, in community. How many of you remember, like, could name three people that God has used in your life instrumentally? Raise your hand. Three people that, you know, God used to help you grow. Now, how many of you can name three sermons that God has used? Oh, see? Come on, you don't remember three of my sermons? That's the point, that God absolutely uses community. Because spiritual growth, discipleship, is not about just learning stuff. But it's about becoming transformed in the image of Christ. And God absolutely uses that. And listen... He was talking, as a preacher, sermons are ruined for me because I sit down there and say, ooh, I would say that. But I was thinking to myself when he was talking about crowds, and he was like, what gives God glory when community happens and people are being transformed? And I thought, what gives the pastor glory when we create a crowd? But what gives God glory is when we create a community. And that's what we're trying to do here is bring God the glory, see lives transformed. I asked Jordan really quick to share, how do we get plugged in? If you're interested in small groups, or maybe your spouse is pushing you to be interested in small groups, what, what's the next step? How do we figure out where these groups are? Awesome. So some very simple next steps. The first one is I'm going to be right out here in the lobby at the pub table, right out here with a computer, 
with a list of all the small groups. So if you're interested in it, just looking, there's no pressure to join one today. There's no pressure to join one ever. I mean, it's, if you have a community that you are bought into and God is using, that is amazing. That is amazing, amazing. But for those who are looking, we've got a list right out here. And I would love to walk you through. I would love to introduce you to some of the leaders. I'd love to help you take whatever step you need to feel comfortable about what, what group you want to join. The other simple step is to join, go to radiantchristianlife.church slash smallgroups. You can look through the directory there. You can get all of the information. You can even email the leader and say, how do I know that you're not crazy? You can talk to them. You can say, I'm talking about this one. Everyone email him. You can, you can send an email and say, hey, what's this about? What's this group going to be like? Uh, how long are you going to meet? What, do you have child care? All of those questions can be answered. They would love to talk to you. They'd love to host you, even if you just go once. If you go once and you never come back, they're going to be offended. We want to f- help you find a group that's going to work uh, with whatever's going on in your life, whatever ministry and discipling that you need or whatever opportunities for discipling you want like we want to help you find that so if you go to the website and then the the third is uh the church center app so the app that we use for giving is actually the same app that we use for small groups you can send messages you can do all the same functionality as the website uh, but it exists on your phone it's really simple to use it's really nice looking it'd be great if you want to just go through there really simple steps but i'd love to talk with you in the foyer today All right. May the Lord bless you and keep you and turn his face to shine upon you and give you peace. God bless you. We'll see you later.